We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I was just complaining to Sam about noise. I've got, I don't know, I've got like a construction thing. So guys, just ignore if you hear some plumbing in the background. Well, we, we, got, we got all the time in the world. We're about to get martial law and just not this be able to leave the house crazy. anytime soon. It's crazy. Um, is anybody Gavin in the Bay Area enough? Some... Who's tough enough to even impose, impose martial law? I can't see Libby Schaff imposing martial law. From that London Breed, sl- perhaps that weird slug, slug, uh, slugamobile that she'd ride around in at the parade. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> She's carrying a torch. It looks like something out of uh, Mad Max. You would you would think that Libby Schaff is that- actually the mayor of San Francisco and London Breed is the mayor of Oakland. How did that get switched around? I don't. Yeah, a little that. subtle racism. Nice. That's a little on. bit of subtle racism, but there are no. You know what? That's what people are here for. No rules anymore. There are no rules anymore. There are no societal governing rules anymore. Can't, can't cancel anyone if there's no more society. There's no more society. Any racism is okay. Um, as far as I know, who's going to punish you? All these institutions that are firing people every day. There's no more business anymore. It's it's yeah. fine. It's whatever. No money being made out there. Oof. Woo. I, uh, I, I went out for a run today uh, down near Land's End, and uh, there's still a lot of people walking around, though I guess it's somewhat safe since you're not really next to anyone, but uh, yeah. I don't know how seriously San Francisco has taken it uh, so well, far. Well, here's so the thing. We'll see. You, so, uh, you know, I'm seeing this thing where on Twitter there's a lot of shaming the young for going out to restaurants. I'm sorry. If the restaurants are open... Not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody's an ardent news consumer. You need somebody at the top of the food chain to say, we are doing this now and from right. from from here on out for this long, which I'm kind of thankful it happened with the new eight-week rule, right? Because at least it's uh, here is the plan. Here is what we're doing. And it sucks. It's unprecedented. Um, but at the same time, at least as human beings, we need that. We can't have this thing where, hey— you shouldn't go 
out to large gatherings. If you do, you're a jerk, and nobody's going to That's define what that work. is. Like, the, yeah. you can't let the public just decide that for themselves. That's I will, I will say, um, Friday night, I was walking home, and there's this kind of trendy sushi spot, like four blocks. It, it's from my place, but it's on my walk. And I'm just kind of looking who's in it, and it's all people who are clearly under the age of 25. Whee! And I was, I was just, I was just cracking up because in my mind I was like, you know, all I was talking about with with my friends and everyone's like, man, we're about to get locked down. It's gonna be weird. Yep. I don't know how long I can handle this. I'm gonna get stir crazy. Blah blah. blah. And then I look in there and it's all like the, you know, just graduated college, have my first job making. I don't know. They whatever, care 40K. more about. Let's face it. If the places are open, they'll care more about getting laid than they will not killing somebody's grandma. That's just that's just how it is. That's just where the motivation is. That's why you got to close them down. Um, you can't just rely on the uh, millennials and the younger Gen Zs to make their decisions. I think, I think that's Gen Z, but yeah, but exactly. You're if you leave twenty four year olds to their own vices, they're going to make the most selfish decision possible. Yeah. Especially, they're probably far away from their parents, too. Their parents probably across the country. It's not imminent as far as they're concerned. They're just going to do what they do. You can't just send these mixed messages. You can't have these things be open and say, hey, maybe it's a good idea if you don't go. It's too vague. We can't live like this. It's a paranoid space. Are you guys feeling just paranoid all the time? I feel paranoid. I'm questioning every decision I make and running it through the filter of, is this okay? Is that okay? By the way, are we recording? Is this part of the pod? <laughs> and we are recording, and welcome to Light Ears. <laughs> As you can tell, we have a uh, we have a special guest this week. Uh, the man who's trying to take down the NBA for their just negligence around coronavirus uh mr ethan strauss i feel like i was just being honest I, that's that's how i felt about it i just thought look very simple argument let's reduce it down to this i will preface it with a little bit of the i understand i understand it's a complicated situation i understand businesses aren't necessarily set up to deal with the situation it's weird we're all questioning all of our decisions all of the time very vague i don't think you can put a sign on Chase Center that says coming here might increase your risk of getting a communicable disease, a highly communicable disease, and play the games in the arena, play two games to be exact, and then try to come out on the other side of it uh, as the progressive league who was the first to shut down and set the tone. No, they didn't. The cities would have shut them down. Do people understand that? Do they get that? This wasn't some That's magnanimous. That was some like magnanimous decision from Adam Silver. No, no. The cities were preparing to shut them down. And when Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell came down with the virus, it's done. It's done. Not a hard choice. Was there a worse outcome than than that though there was not a worse like there could not have i mean been a wait a wait a cu- wait a couple weeks right sure wait right, a couple like- wait wait a couple weeks and we find out more we find out more people contracted it we find out people at an nba arena contracted it um mm-hmm. in mass which hopefully did not happen but you know unfortunately from where the nba is sitting as it tries to maintain the nba season and i guess that's what you have to do at this point uh, more could happen. Um, I'm, you know, I think 
there, there were people who were asking me if the NBA reached out and was mad at me, and it, that actually didn't happen. And I think part of well, that— they're too busy because their season's going to be gone. Well, I think that's a huge They're worried about the $2 billion they're about to lose. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And there's also the part of—they you guys, they could get sued. I mean, it, it's not—I I don't think that they handled the situation uh, with a tremendous amount of foresight. And part of the problem when people say, oh, you can't just, sh- you can't just pause it— you know, nobody knew what to do, hindsight, yada, 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 is A, there were a lot of health experts saying that you can't do this right now. B, there were other institutions that were shutting down long before them, uh, San Francisco Symphony, South by Southwest. Um, and additionally, they did shut it all down and uh, not have a game when Kobe Bryant died. So, yeah. I didn't even think about the Kobe point until you pointed it out, but... Yeah. um. To your point, I was at that last game at Chase, and I was kind of brazen and not taking it overly seriously till I went there. And full discretion, I went with my 66-year-old father. I go to games with him here and there. You guys have both met him at games with me. He's, he's, and, he's awesome. He's the, the cool, <laughs> he's the coolest dude. The whole time I'm there, like, I'm, you know, so it's just, like, normal. It's a fun father-son bonding thing we do like five six times a year and then like i'm reading these signs and the more i'm sitting there the more i'm just paranoid that <laughs> i might be sending him to his deathbed and i have i've just not been and, able and, to sleep straight for a while and, since and knowing your father and my brief interaction with him i bet right. he just doesn't care at all just yeah. doesn't care and it's he, yep he's just, he's <laughs> the wine has a higher chance of sending him <laughs> i just love when i was there he was trying to buy me shots even though i was there for work Classic. it was it was very hard to refuse the man um yeah he's he he in um it's not just him it's like all my relatives who are in that same age bracket are just starting to take this a little more seriously because there's just such a this doesn't happen in America mentality to it. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, they're like, we moved away from Iran, so we don't have to deal with that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's I, these sort of things don't really consider borders. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of messing with everyone in my family's mind mind right now it's messing with everybody and i get that a lot of us are very lucky um i was reading some uh reddit post it was translated uh from an italian doctor who's just in the trenches and it's hell it's just hell on the front lines of this in the hospital and he was saying that um how annoyed he was seeing his friend's social media posts of how bored they were and i thought to myself i can completely understand this guy's (laughs) perspective intellectually and if I were him, I would probably feel similarly. But you have to understand that human beings are not designed to do what the majority of society is doing right now. This is not something we're really set up for, to not totally know where to go, what to do, for how long, uh, to not congregate. I mean, not very many people are really set up to do this. And I think the boredom is real. And I think a lot of what's well, Especially happening- when you know life before it. Or in in other words, like I'm sure if we lived in the caveman days without any sort of media and like your main concern was trying to find something to eat. And and it's also, I mean, I I feel badly. I didn't, uh, my friend had a wedding, a very good friend of mine, and I think they had to really pare it down. I didn't go. Uh, Another, uh, my cousin, she had to cancel her wedding. Weddings are being canceled everywhere. People don't know if they can go to funerals. Uh, There are aspects of this in addition to just the people losing their jobs. 
um, that is completely cataclysmic. And yet, even though I, I feel as though I'm lucky enough to be in a position where we are not desperate, um, you start to go crazy pretty quickly, huh? I mean, just just having no sports on TV, I, selfishly. Yeah, but it's like I counted Andy... on baseball. At least I counted on baseball. But here, here's a question: They canceled the Masters, right? And uh, and I think golf is pretty canceled at, at this point. Is golf the one that they could figure out how to do and still be within the requirements, and they're just not having enough imagination? Listen, I, listen, I don't, I don't fucking think anybody's watching golf. Oh, I don't you care, don't think everybody if, would watch golf right now? If, the, if there's no sports, I, you know what? Give me, give me. I would the watch. Worst. I would, I would watch NASCAR, oh, which is like oh. pretty much the lowest on the totem pole of things I'd be interested to watching. Uh, but golf's actually an interesting one because it's an underrated gambling frat party is what golf events are really. It's like they draw a hundred thousand over the weekend and everyone's there to party. Like it's a festival. Now you could get rid of that and just make it a TV spectator sport. But I feel like none of those tournaments want to run it. If they can't get the gates either. I mean, I feel they would get monster ratings. The masters just don't even have a regular television crew have drone cameras do the whole thing. Um, a lot of disinfectant wipes, only caddies, only players, various rules, various regulations. Make anybody who goes there have to drive there. Apologies to people from overseas because it's crazy right now trying to get into the airports. You've got to drive to the Masters wherever you are. That's just how it's got to be. Um, I don't know. Maybe possible in theory. Probably a bad idea. I think just life is shut down. And you know what the insane thing is? And Maybe we should be talking about sports. I don't know. There are no sports. But... Who the hell was even talking or warning about this? Like, you, you think about all we've discussed politically. You think about all that was talked about in the various Democratic debates, all you see on the news all the time. Uh, I remember the Nevada debate. There were 20 million people watching, and it was really a captivating debate with Warren going after Bloomberg. Um, and I think there was that Klobuchar-Buttigieg uh, feud as well, very entertaining stuff. I don't think they were talking about coronavirus at all. And this thing shuts down the entire world. Like, where did this come from? Why was so, nobody okay. worried about it? So I um, I, I was in... <clears throat> ooh, was that a cough? Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, I Can was you get in, Corona through mics remotely? Through, I got it from fucking Sam. <laughs> um, so I was, in, I was in Asia. I ended up not going to Hong Kong, but I was in Asia about a month and a half ago. Mm. Um, and... I was talking to Sam about this earlier this morning. The culture is just a lot different in Asia. I mean, one, it's authoritarian. Two, also, the mask culture, that's number one. Uh, people wear masks, and they don't look at each other like they're crazy, right? You wear a mask, you're fine. You're just any other person out there. Uh, and then they it's also- like a baseball hat. Ooh. They also take, yeah, and they also take it very seriously, and people don't care. I walk up to a restaurant uh, in Singapore, and the lady points a temperature gun at my head, and without even saying anything and she said something in chinese not the chinese i understand but like i could see why that's kind of weird if you were someone that had never been there before i personally didn't care she looks at me she points it at my head and she asks me what she th- what you know what i think my temperature is i don't answer because they're they're celsius i don't fucking know but <laughs> but there mm. but the point but the point is that they take these precautions uh, and they did it early and now you look at singapore's numbers and it's relatively flattened and i come back here and I walk around, and nobody takes it seriously. Well, they've gotten—that's that, just Americans. Well, I think it's also that in some of the East Asian countries, they've gotten hit before. 
They've had SARS. Yeah. They've established, I mean, for what I've read, I don't know, the mass culture was born out of SARS. Mm-hmm. And we've never really had it, and it's very abstract. It's this invisible threat. Um, and I just don't think we're, I don't think we're really built. We're not really built to deal with it. We're not ready for it. We're not ready for it. My, uh, my buddy's a doctor in New York and he says the hospital is already pretty, uh, it's already pretty packed and and they've already got people that they have to test. And and again, I mean, that's everybody's on Twitter. By the way, I do want to note the other thing as well. Mm. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, you, you go on Twitter and you're like, Oh, everybody is just on Twitter and they're, and they're enjoying it. Everybody's like, Oh, I can stay home. The, The funny thing is most people in real life don't spend 10 hours a day on Twitter. No. So most people are gonna want to get out there. Yeah, when that, they get their when they get their iPhone screen time for the week, it looks a lot more normal than you and me, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to kind of pivot this back to the NBA at some point here. Yeah. So let's let, let's go fuck ups. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute fuck ups. Let's go to your um. So so you did not get pushback for your article um you did get twitter pushback but I got, you could I literally got twitter pushback. You, could, you could i got re- you could write stuff that yeah, you could write stuff yeah. the greatest shooter and you'd get pushback, I, but i got so. a little more i think i got a little more reader pushback than i usually get and i didn't track all of it but i sure. i saw some of it oddly enough i saw some of it were people accusing it of being um kind of a left-wing screed and some people accusing it of being a right-wing screed which was very interesting to me <laughs> So which one are you? It's a, it's definitely a screed. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was a screed. I think we could say that much. I think the important point, I think, for that article is you were tweeting about it, I would say, maybe a week or two before, if well, not more. I was also, I mean, I don't think I'm tremendously early to it, but I, over the weekend I was um, contacting the NBA and asking, hey, what do you, these, these scientists are saying that you shouldn't be doing this. Um, right. What's up? And they basically were saying that we have... Our own experts, and I think I had an article come out on Monday basically saying that this this kind of needs to stop. Now, if they want to go with the empty gym thing um, before everything went down with Gobert, I don't, I, I don't have much of an objection to, with that. It's just with everything you read about it, with everything any expert was saying about it, it seems like they had to pull the handbrake on teams and arenas, especially in, in our area, in the Bay Area, where there were cases of infection. Um, in San Francisco. At that point, you just cannot be playing games. And I understand that there are differences of opinion. I understand people say the NCAA was just going along with business as usual, and everybody else was looking for a larger body to make the decision. I'm just pointing out that altogether, it seems pretty bad, especially when you take into consideration that the Wizards were told by Washington, D.C. to stop having games, and they said, yeah, no, we're going to keep doing it. Well, okay. People, How about people like, that need to happened, see Thomas Bryant? That happened the day, by the way, that Gobert, I believe, uh, came down or tested positive for it. Yes. So, yes. Well, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think if the NFL did this, anybody would blink an eye? Um, if they did what? The, what the NBA did uh, from the perspective of not really. Care. I don't think. I, I don't think like anybody's. Warnings, I don't think anybody's. Bl- I don't think anybody's blinking an eye about the NBA. I felt as though I was one of mm. very few voices to That's say it. I, I I feel yeah. as though, and there's a lot well, you, going on, you, so I get it. You mentioned it. You're the only person I've I've uh, heard bring it up um, at All Star Weekend, which was what February sixteenth, seventeenth, February fifteenth was. Well, I think February fifteenth was the Saturday, and sixteenth was the it's Sunday. Valentine's yeah. Day, weekend. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Something about yeah. 
Adam Silver at least five different times was lending support about coronavirus to China. It's, Obviously, um, it seemed quite to... obsequious. It seemed quite, <laughs> it seemed quite sucking up as opposed to an actual expression of actual classic, support. Classic Adam Silver. I, but I, it also yeah. points to your overarching point, which is like this didn't catch him by surprise no so to say no it didn't catch him by surprise and i'm just noting how the nba seems quite obsessive about its overseas ambitions and maybe this is the part of where people say this is the right wing aspect i'm a bit of a basketball nationalist maybe for aesthetic reasons i i just i I think you should be solid at home i think you should have a solid base at home i think if you are leaking support and interest within your home country as the national basketball association that's a problem you need to be sturdy at home and then you can sell the product everywhere you know every every which way like mcdonald's or any other uh multinational company i suppose but um that's just my philosophy on it i understand that the nba thinks we're never going to get the support we want in the united states so we've got these overseas ambitions and that's where we want to make our money I understand that maybe from a business perspective, it's the right thing to do. But at a certain point, there is a trade-off. At a certain point, fans notice that you don't care about them so much, that they're not really your main focus. And I just looked at it as of a piece with that general trend where Silver is doing Wuhan strong with a hashtag and he's just saying China, China, China. And to be clear, it's good to express support for people going through um, a disaster. There's nothing wrong with it. It just seemed to be very cynical and part of their whole pitch where Silver is saying, we do relief efforts everywhere. Why should it be different? And I'm thinking, this isn't Haiti, dude. Like, this is a superpower. The, the China's not China's not looking around going, oh my God, can the NBA help us out? Like, well, the please. funny thing is China's helping you, the U.S. now. That's, that's, yeah, well, that's, Jack, that's where we're at. Jack Ma, uh, who is the co-founder of Alibaba with uh, Joe Tsai, who is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, yes has, uh, I guess, offered to send 500,000... Uh, well, there were testing kits and there were masks. It was a lot. So yeah. um, so it, it looked very clearly of a piece with their, God, can we just cling to this China money? Please, we just want this China money. And there's no discussion other than TV ratings about the United States. Uh, I think Silver did... At this point, by the way, the NBA generates, what, $8 billion a year? Something in that range? Right. Overall, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think about the TV deal versus the gate. I mean, I know what the TV deal is. I don't totally know what the gate revenue is. But yeah, I let, think I, let's ballpark I, it as that. Yeah. Is in the eight, how much of that do we think is coming from China? Two? Um, well, I think China, Silver was saying that it, it's in the hundreds of millions range. It's, in the, it's not the majority, but I think that's the ambition is in the future, maybe it would be, right? And you've got these these gambits of, well, maybe India is next. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that the people the people of India have sports that they're into. I don't think that they're going to gravitate to the NBA, but maybe that's another ambition. And, you know, the NBA has done very well in China. It's a breakfast sport, kind of like the Premier League is in the United States. And um, but you just you just wonder, you wonder if if their eye is really on the ball. You wonder about when they were setting up that league, um, the uh, the league in Africa across. I mean, how many nations? I think nine nations um, across the continent of Africa. And I'm just looking at it and I'm going, 
I know nobody wants to really question this. Like, maybe I you could say it's a little un-PC because it seems almost like they're Amnesty International and they're like basketball without borders, but this is a crazy idea. Like, your ratings are tanking at home and you're trying to create a league across the continent of, of uh, across the African continent across nine different countries with different currencies and languages and a lot of these countries are very low in the corruption index and have problems and recent civil wars i mean is anybody really looking into whether you guys well, have a handle on what you're doing well I, <laughs> it was I mean, canceled it was canceled because of corona long story short uh, i can tell you i i for one don't care um, yeah. about that right like i wouldn't watch it right like and i think part of it is like not that i wouldn't watch it but it's like part of it is is this is i guess this is part of what happens when you try to act like you are the the smartest and most progressive uh you know league mm. or people uh, in the sporting world and i think it part of it's just like dude just just be a normal just be a normal corporate en- entity and yeah. just do what normal leagues or, do and or just how about the, the fact asshole, like but i'm just annoyed by the fact that like I mean, the Warriors are shamelessly tanking this year or when the year was happening. And just like the, the constant stir of players not playing and I should be I should be happy that they're yeah. load managing yeah. instead of watching the product. It's like you should want to watch their, the game. You should rent their their celebrity effectively or like rent part of their uh, self-esteem. I, I don't know what is the expectation. It's that we should root for players over teams, which some people like to do, but I don't think a lot of people want to do. And I think that it's a complicated question how to get the players more invested in their teams and more attached to it so the fans attach more. And I don't envy Adam Silver. I wouldn't want to try to figure it out. But that seems to be the fundamental issue. And rather than solve some of the fundamental issues, the NBA is always trying to uh, expand their way out of their problems, um, to run away from them, quite literally. And... It seems as though they bumped up against the limits of that this season. I mean, we're going to be very focused on the domestic shutdown of the NBA, but there was the situation with China in the preseason, um, that disaster, and then they tried the uh, they tried the the Africa League, and that's been shut down. And it seems as though maybe their international at, ambition- least, at least the Elam ending was good. The Elam at ending was very that. good. That was cool. Uh, that was super cool. That was a good idea. That was literally the only part of the season that's been enjoyable yeah. for me. Yeah, um, I like the Elam ending. Um, you know, shout out Elam. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Well, that shows that they are capable. You know, maybe Silver over time will learn the right things to do. But it just seems like we are in, we are in a bit of a nadir, and hopefully we'll get basketball back again. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, yeah, let, let's let let's get into that because uh, do we get the CDC just came out and said they don't necessarily recommend events with over 50 people for the next 60 days, which is two months, which is mid-May. Uh, and then Woe just came out with an article a couple of minutes before. Saying that they're planning on mid-June yeah. is like the earliest that they think NBA games could be played. Yeah. At what point, though, is it just at what month, at what July, August, September is it going to be, yeah, we're fucked. Let's just restart this thing next year. Again, I, I like the idea, and there are a lot of unknowns here. I don't hate the idea of you just play the playoffs in the fall, have the championship for twenty uh, for twenty twenty, and then on Christmas just restart the next season. You get kind of two seasons in one. Oh, oh so you're even farther out. You're saying like start the. I mean, playoffs when are you like going to be? I think which I think is. I, I think when are you going to be so comfortable as to get people in arenas again? You know, when is that going to? Oh, happen? I was I was thinking playing them in closed gyms. 
the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that might happen, too. Um, I think we're just dealing with a lot of unknowns, and um, we don't know the extent to which this is going to hit the United States. We don't know if it will be like Italy, or if it will be uh, not as bad as Italy, or it will be way worse. Like, we, we don't know. Or and, anywhere in between. Yeah, so with all these unknowns, it's next to impossible to have a projection of when this all starts up again. I mean, for all I know, next week some super genius will jump up and say, I have the cure, and okay, then that that just wraps everything up with a nice bow. I, I don't know. It just seems as though, and I think Andy's been tweeting along this way, the NBA has been trying to cling to it. They've been trying to cling to it, and um, it reminds me of the scene in The Simpsons when Lisa carts off with the uh, suckling pig that Homer has for his barbecue, and Homer and Bart are chasing the pig, and continuing. Homer keeps saying, it's still good, it's still good, it's just a little dirty, it's still good, it's still good, it's just a little slimy, um, instead of just accepting the reality that this is, you know, effectively, it is what it is. Can add to LeBron's legacy of what ifs for why he's the greatest. And I was waiting for that one. I mean, it's crazy that there's even a narrative. This one, actually. I mean, this one, I actually feel bad for him for. Yeah, we should have seen it. We needed that that Clipper Lakers series, and you know, we needed. Look, I even if it comes in August and the Clippers win, I'll I'll you know I don't begrudge the fan base of the Lakers and LeBron for saying that he got robbed on it because that's what you have to you know that's what you got to tell yourself that's what Andy would be saying if it happened to the Warriors. We'd all feel that same way if the Warriors were it's it's in the same position, but it's it ain't a banner. I mean that it that's 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 the case. Um, Best record in the West through sixty seven games. Hang the banner. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I actually let's uh. Let's start talking about your book. I wanted oh, to have we... you on here to talk about your book, which um, I don't like to, I don't read much anymore. Uh-huh. I literally listen to everything on audiobook, but I might actually just read your book because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> um, hey, I was, hey, hey, I was hey, waiting tell, to tell, download tell. it and listen to it in pod form. I I'm, mean, trying to, I'm trying to get the um, audio and digital versions out quick. It's hard with publishing. There's just, there are a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm trying to get it out there quicker just because it seems like people people need something right now or at least really want something right now and uh yeah so but that's that's your long way of saying that you haven't read the book capitalistic uh <laughs> ethan works out you know people are just sitting at home yep. this is this is the time this hey is the... well i I, <laughs> I gotta do this real quick uh, i gotta do a read and then we'll get back to your book because i am interested as well mm. uh, bet online uh with so bet online we've got no no nba no hockey but we do have poker. <laughs> no, I was gonna say there's. You would think there's nothing to bet on, but if you're a degenerate like Sam, <laughs> you you found the best place. Bet online still has hundreds hundreds of places to wager from their online casino, poker, blackjack. They're all open 24 hours a day, all online. You don't need to touch somebody else's chips. Sports aren't totally done. There's still MMA uh, and esports is on the rise. If you're in, into entertainment, you can still. I can't believe this, but you can still bet on American Idol, the elections. Uh, there was a, a Biden-Bernie debate today. I can't wait to hear uh, Sam's thoughts. Uh, the Spelling Bee, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. All right. We're back. Oh, I just got a little tweet that I retweeted. A little, little promotion of the book uh, from... <laughs> I mean, I don't know who made it, but I, I, I appreciate the uh, 
I appreciate the tweet from Gabe Nisker. Had a chance to read Sherwood Stress's The Victory Machine. Would recommend if you like basketball, the Warriors, or for my Raptors HQ family, books that involve the Raptors winning the NBA championship to some degree. Really great work. Ah, okay. Yeah. Way to, way to go, Gabe. Oh, those, oh, those Raptor fans. Oh, just yes. clinging on to the title no one cares about. <laughs> Nobody cares about it. It is true. <laughs> I do feel bad for them because they would absolutely repeat this year if Kawhi stayed. Oh, man. Well, they were also just a, they were a sick team. They kept coming. They, they were yeah. really... Um, there were moments where they could have been broken and they just, they, there was just a continued onslaught from those Raptors. So yeah, it was, it was a well-earned, well-won championship, but nobody cares. Not in this country. Nobody cares. But so, so let's get back to your book here a little bit. So, so give us like the brief synopsis off the top and then we'll go from there. I think the brief synopsis is that the Warriors with their ambition and zeal to conquer everything, um, built the most dominant team in league history, but yet it wasn't sustainable because when you conquer everything, you're not happy. You know, you're chasing this thing where if you actually get it, you're not going to be as fulfilled as you think you are. And that's more or less the thesis of my book. I think anybody who's ever beaten a video game can relate to it, um, where you finally beat the video game and you sit around and you go, oh man, I, I kind of wish I still had the, uh, kind of wish I still had the video game. And it also dovetails with a change in the culture of the NBA, how the modern celebrity slash superstar isn't happy. And we know that as opposed to the past, you know, in the past, I think maybe the way Kevin Durant is wouldn't be visible to many of us and we would just project whatever we think onto him but we just see the boardroom yeah we would just see the board <laughs> we just see the boardroom but instead we almost know too much and um so i just want to take a snapshot of the warriors dominance and also our culture in that particular time where we're more separated where it seems as though sustaining fulfillment is harder to get where social media uh runs all and so to me, it's it's a little bit of a zeitgeist book and a little bit of a Warriors book at the same time. That that that's just silence. Yeah, I mean, apparently, I thought you were gonna even, go. Andy. If you've got if you've got Sam silent after something, <laughs> I was just gonna give you a chance to speak, Andy. Oh, <laughs> gotta be a work. Well, I need to work um, on my. I, I clearly need to work on my elevator pitch. If it's not inspiring questions, I need to find a more succinct way to uh, a more succinct way to say it. But to me, it's also peeling back some of the layers of the NBA that people aren't aware of, what, such as the sneaker war aspect of these big time sneaker companies in the background, um, and additionally. Uh, the players themselves and some of the agents and that entire world of the NBA is something I wanted to give people a peek behind the curtain, a view of a view of. And you've written on on some of this as well. So I think yeah. the things that people don't write about, I got a bunch of questions. I don't really want to ask some of the things because I feel like you don't want to give it away. It is part of something that. Oh, come on, Andy. No societal <laughs> rules anymore, Andy. There are no societal rules. Everyone's okay, going to read it. They have nothing else to do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> how sustainable would it have been if the, if the, I almost said Niners. I don't know why I've got Niners on the mind. Mm. Uh, if the Warriors had not signed Kevin Durant. And I guess my question is how much of the downfall of, "Quote unquote downfall of the Warriors and and happiness was attributed to Kevin Durant." Wow, you knew I'd, you knew I'd asked. That. Wow, how sustainable? I mean, clearly, I think a lower peak, perhaps, but maybe a little more sustainable in a San Antonio Spursian way. But it seems as though that's nothing that that Joe Lacob was ever really committed to. I don't think he right. wanted 
a 20-year team. That wasn't his view. I think that's something Bob Myers was more into. And there's a chapter on Myers and Myers looking at the Spurs as a model um, that I think uh, you could you could see that, where Joe's got a lot of chest-puffed-out ambition for conquering all the time, and Myers has more of a, well, we could make this thing work really well. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's it's sort of like uh, like HBO. So, you know, I think Bob Myers wanted the Warriors to be like HBO. Right now, there's a big battle uh, because HBO has been bought in this big merger. And HBO is this magical little contraption that gives you, uh, I think, something like, I'm just making up a number, something like $4 billion in profit, let's say $2 billion in profit every, every year. Like $2 billion in profit every year. Boom. $2 billion. Everybody loves it. $2 billion. But there's no real way to grow it, Right. And in order to maintain the quality, you probably don't want to be pumping out a Netflix amount of shows, but the people who bought HBO are demanding that and saying, we need that and we need to compete with Netflix. And it's not enough for you guys to just have a few shows and have Curb and have a few of these other critical darlings. You need to just keep pumping. You need to keep going. And the people at HBO are saying, this is impossible. There's no way we can do it. I feel that was the tension a little bit with the Warriors where Joe Lacob wanted them to be Netflix with HBO quality in a way and to never have a fallow period, to never, ever, ever, ever have a lull and I think a lot of the people who run the Warriors and are involved in the Warriors were exhausted after these title runs and just could not could not keep going anymore. And they kept going to the point where their literal their bodies literally broke, at least yeah. on the floor. My, Bob Myers is my favorite uh, person in the franchise, probably besides I mean besides Steph. But it just feels like to me Bob Bob Myers has had to to deal with a lot in the last. I mean, from a sports perspective, right? He's had to deal with Joe Lacob. He's had to deal with, I think everybody thinks that him and, and Steve Kerr uh, are best friends. And, and they are really good friends, but I'm sure there's tension there as well, right? It's got to be. Um, and got to be something. And then and then he's got to deal with, he's, a, he's an ex-agent, so he's got to deal with a lot of the players. <laughs> I, thought you said, I thought you said ex-Asian. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably, I would actually love him more. Uh, <laughs> Or would you hate him more for excommunicating? <laughs> uh, Bob Myers does seem like the type to have an Asian wife. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what is that type, Andy? Remember, there are no societal rules anymore. Are, you just Sometimes you look at a white dude and you just know when they have yellow fever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I mean, names. I, I feel like, no names, no names I feel like that stereotype more applies to guys who aren't as um, sort of social as Bob, like, isn't that sort of like the white nerd stereotype a little bit? Oh, that that is a see. Look, Ethan, Sam, come on, join in, come on, chime in here. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. I actually think you're right. And then they, and, you know, actually, I'm gonna stop. Well, um, we're ta- we're talking about cultural stereotypes. People, I don't want to hear from you if you're the most popular social person and your wife is, <laughs> I don't know, from from Singapore. I I, I really, it's we're, we're just we're just talking again. There I are feel like- it's the purge, baby. There are no rules. I feel like, like I feel like my guy Nate Duncan just loves it. Like, I, ah! like I just, I just, it's just a feeling that I have, and I can a, say a, it because I know Nate. Nate. Nate's wife is Hoppa for the uh, for the record. <laughs> there you go, and uh, and I love that Ethan knows what Hoppa. I mean, means. come on, I went um, to UC Berkeley. Come on, come on. <laughs> um, so I was I was a uh, half on, half spawn on uh, with Nate. 
Uh, Danny, I don't know. Dan, Danny can't pick a, put a finger on. We'll ask him when we get Danny on the pod. I have not met Danny's girlfriend, so I do not know. I can report back. We're just going to grill him. We're going to tell him we want to talk about the CPA and then just try to figure <laughs> out his dating history. That's the way we're going to do it. Um, uh, what, was I tr- what was the point I was trying to make? Bob Myers. Yes. Um, t- so you had a chapter devoted to I'm sure he's popped up a lot more uh, in other in, in the whole book as well. But um, did he did it feel like he was the one that had it the worst? Yeah, he's very put upon. You know, it's very strange where he he looks like life's winner. He's just one of life's biggest winners. You know, Mr. UCLA, uh, L.A. agent world, six foot eight, full head of full head of hair. Um, it becomes executive of the most successful yeah. franchise, etc. He's from yeah. Danville, great family, uh, just, you know, great life. But I don't think he conceives of himself that way because he looks at himself as somebody who kind of got into the NBA from the outside. Um, there's definitely a rift between people who view themselves as grinders who didn't have that entry point of having been a former NBA player or having oh. the nepotistic connection, um, as so many do, who rise in the ranks. So he has that chip on his shoulder, And I think it's difficult for any GM for a successful team just to run the team. It's a miserable job. GMs are miserable. Daryl Morey wasn't. I talked to Daryl Morey about it a while. Um, I think he might like it better than most um, and have the perspective because I think Daryl's from some little town in Ohio that that things could be worse. He's one of my favorite GMs, too. But most GMs, most GMs... um, (laughs) <laughs> I think you know, it's funny. There's a quote operating at There's a quote in the book times. where, where Daryl's talking about uh, Bob. He's like, he's a handsome fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you look at Daryl Moore, you see the beard he's grown out. He's got to deal with broke ass Tillman Fertitta. I mean, like he's got to, he's got to get Russell but Westbrook. It's who be, be, in, like, being a GM sucks. Yeah. And it seems like it would be cool because we all play fantasy sports, but it's right. not cool. It's not like just setting your lineup. Just find, just find the sucker and trade for their best player. Yeah. Yeah. Not that hard. No, yeah. It's like every there's a new problem every day. There's a bunch of bullshit that maybe we didn't, you never hear about. And um, I was just thinking, I was laughing to myself because I was watching uh, not a laugher of a documentary, but the Aaron Hernandez documentary. And um, I there was this part where Hernandez meets with Belichick because some drug dealer is gonna trying to kill him and he wants to flee the country. And I was thinking to myself, because Belichick isn't officially the GM, but he kind of is, I thought, this is the life of a GM, where it seems cool, but there's always some crazy bullshit that you're being confronted with that you must clean up, like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. You're like, will I, will I, will I get indicted? Yes. By yes. Sort of- in addition to having to watch all this basketball and having opinions on players who are and at, make the right decision, you know, like, oh, you know, how good's the uh, the WCC conference this season? You know, like, uh, you, you have to. It's too much. They have way too much. Too much managing up, too much managing down, too much having to actually watch the basketball. It's the job everybody wants, but everybody would hate. And yeah, it pays nice, but not as not as great as coaching. Um, so it's they're they're always miserable. Is that is that the is that the truth though? By the way, like in every like ninety percent of organizations, the coach is higher paid than the GM. Yeah, was there a face? They're on TV. I mean, there are. Right. GMs who are just making it in the hundreds of thousands range. I mean, it's... Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, it, Which is good for a normal person, but yeah. No, great, for, it, when, great for a normal person, but again, you would but think... But then you give Andrew Wiggins $30 million and you're sitting here going, wow. Yeah, and then it's a question <laughs> of who has the power. I mean, there's a scene in my book 
um, where, and it gets into a little bit of the racial dynamics of the NBA. Again, we can talk about these things now because there are no more societal rules and it's the purge. I love it. But, you know, I was looking at the Warriors table of all their basketball ops guy and it looks like Mad Men. It's all just, you know, it, it, it's all white dudes who look like they could have been prom king. You know, just clean cut, sharp suit, um, and you go on down the line. They're all at a table. They're watching just, the playoff game. Just seven Pete Campbells. And I think to myself, yeah, there are people who would make a controversy of this, but in a way, it's almost a little bit hard to because it's unclear whether they have the actual power in the organization. The actual power in the organization is probably in the locker room. Those are the guys at the top of the food chain, and these guys at this ta- at this table have to uh, are on tilt all the time because of what the guys in the locker room are doing. Not true of your Ian Clark necessarily, um, right. But you know, for the for the top of the top, that that is the case. Well, yeah, you can be phenomenal with spreadsheets, but you're not so phenomenal that you're one of the only players who can shoot 40% on 10 threes a game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well Steph can't get on the court when he wants to, so how much power does he ah. have? <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right, so you, you mentioned kind of the, the, the core, I guess, conflict is like Lacob's kind of insatiable appetite for more and success. Was there one story or is there one story you're willing to share that kind of just like demonstrates that? Um, well, he said to me that he doesn't believe in, that cyclical is a thing. He doesn't believe in it. And Myers has said the opposite. Myers has told me it is cyclical. So, I mean, think of how crazy that is. And now we can look at it because at the time he said it to me, the Warriors had not had their down period. But you think of how crazy that is, this idea of, I want to compete for a championship every year for 20 years in a row. I mean, that's insane. (laughs) That's completely insane. But he completely believed it, I think, when he said it to me um, and was all about it. By the way, not not too happy with me for what I've heard recently, Joe Lacob. Um, (laughs) But... You know, but he might not be happy with me, but I, I'm always entertained by him. I mean, I find him to be a very captivating figure. He's like, I, I think I call him Office Park Daniel Plainview. Um, he is just a madman, and he doesn't he doesn't pretend, which I also appreciate. I like how Joe is not trying to play the role of somebody who's virtuous. If In case you guys, have you, have you noticed that, where he's right. not generally talking about, he's not doing the NBA cares thing when it comes to the Warriors. I, I, I enjoy that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a lot to deal with. And he says you got to be working 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and there are people within the organization who are kind of murmuring and muttering, well, you know, he's got his spot in Montana he goes to. I don't know if it's 365 days a year for him. Um, but <laughs> I also think that you kind of need that. You need that pressure from the top. It can't just be a guy who's going whatever – um, and so with Lacob, I almost think that he deserves more credit for how the team became what it became, but it also probably sucks to work for him. Yeah, we've been kind of, uh, Andy and I were t- toying around like, what if Larry Ellison bought the team? And it's really hard to imagine they'd be in a better state than they were right he now. Probably he probably would have pulled a, uh, who's the rich Russian dude on the Nets? Prokhorov. Just got in there and just just was super rich and said, eh, you know what, I'm good. Yeah, uh, and then left yeah. after like two three seasons. But I was all in on Ellison, obviously. Well, I like, think sure I think for was. these owners, it's probably a an ego check that they're not prepared for because again, 
suddenly you're waiting hand and foot on 25 year olds, 23 year olds, 22 year olds, right. and you're sucking up to them. You go from a situation where any room you walk into, everybody's kissing your butt. I mean, look at how Bloomberg seemed so unprepared when he went to that debate. I mean, he had never walked into a room where people were treating him like that, at least probably not in a few decades. Um, totally unprepared for it. I think a lot of owners are just used to having everybody kiss their feet, and suddenly um, it's a very young person who might not completely know everything there is to know about life but has tremendous power over them, and they have to grovel, and they're not necessarily oriented towards doing so, and maybe they check out. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Andy! You're supposed to go from there. Um, <laughs> no, I think no, I think that's fine. I, I think um, I, I thought you were hinting at Kevin Durant. I thought that. Oh was, yeah, that's, oh, why, that's oh, why I giggled. That, that's yeah, why I giggled. Oh, definitely, I Kevin. You, you, you know, the, you think Kevin Durant was a lot to manage. I think that's very obvious. Um, a lot, and he was never made happy by any of what was done to try to placate him, and seemed to always view it in the other way. That, um, you know, that instead everybody was arrayed against him and Andy Lou was uh, torturing him or whatever he was thinking. I don't know. Times. Um, <laughs> and I, I do think we talk about who ruined the dynasty, who did what. I think it's a little absurd. I do. When I see uh, some, some sort of Twitter influencers talking about how the Bay Area fans ran Kevin Durant out of town, can we just be real that he wasn't really happy with anything? Like there was no amount of placation that would actually do the job that – it was in many ways an optimal situation and it still didn't matter. And yeah. it just would have been something else. I, I he, yeah. He had to have he had to have the exact same um f- emotional kind of being as Kawhi Leonard for him to have been happy. Yeah. Um on the Warriors. And and that I mean, obviously that wasn't gonna happen. Um I think though overall, I think there there's a good point in, in the fact that, man, they probably could have won like all five titles. Like, I would say maybe you could switch the first two or whatever it is. But either way, that was a seven-game series. And then the last title, like, you got down to it in, in the entire war. You had no KD and no Clay. So, it all this and, man, this team probably should have won four out of five. Like, just all this. And it's like, can you ever imagine that? A three-peat and then four. Like, that's just... Uh, and it just it, it I think that's a, an interesting point because it's just like, man, all that. And, and it just didn't seem that... It didn't, it didn't seem that they were that happy. Well, uh, but maybe that was the same with the Bulls. Somebody told Andre thing. about my book's general thesis. And from what I was told, Andre said, yeah, it's true. Winning doesn't make you happy, but you miss it. And I kind of think that's where a lot of people in the Bay Area are right now, where it got to the point where there were these fun moments. And it is cool when your team is in the finals. But day to day... It's not that you started to take it for granted, but it just didn't mean as much, and it felt a little tiresome. But when it all goes away, you do miss it. You do miss having games of import, right, and that energy in the playoffs. It seemed like, frankly, when KD went down, that Rocket series was a lot of fun. That was no, that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Everyone's everyone's just chasing the uh, the, the yeah. rise, the high yeah. of the rise yeah. is really and like you really only get that once. You don't get it until back. you get you, you until you get knocked down a peg. Yeah, you yeah. you don't get it back. It would be cool. If the Warriors rise again. I think it would be cool in a similar way. But you just don't. You do not get the feeling of the rise. That's something that Kerr said. There was a I think a moment where he was reading about the Bucks last season and he just threw his phone 
because it was just talking about how happy they were, just how amazing it all was. You just don't get that feeling of new back. You don't get that back. You don't get that 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 feeling of uh, first year, freshman year of college back. There are just things that you just you just oh, don't get it back. That's the analogy you're going for. I was going to go the first time on Molly because you, ah! you don't get that. You don't get that one. <laughs> well, back. why that... is that mutually exclusive? But <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, that's right. So, well, I was going to oh, say. So that brings us to the Warriors going forward. Should we go there next? I don't even know. I mean, here's the thing. What the? I mean, is there going to be an NBA draft? I mean, if you can tell me that, then I can start gaming. Because that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna talk about, and we don't know when the hell that's gonna happen. We don't know if there's gonna be a mid-level exception, right? Sam was talking about that yesterday. About are they even gonna have with the salary cap shifting? Are they even like with all the money the NBA is set to lose? Dude, how much money did the NBA lose? We don't know yet, but it's. I mean. It's got to be an insane amount. Um, and then you combine it with the China situation. Oh, my God. And what's going to happen there? Uh, yeah. NBA is getting foreclosed. Jeez. Uh, come, come, come October. Uh, but, but I mean, I do want to talk about the players. I do want to talk about the draft. Um, Hell, yeah. Right now, as of today, you would assume that you got Steph, you got Clay, you got Draymond, you got Wiggins, you got Looney, you got Marquise Chris. Pascal Pool, so that's about they're going to be players. on the roster next year unless some, you know, unless they luck into the Giannis trade that they really hope for. The NBA is going to go away for so long that that Looney is going to come back healthy. That's how long the NBA is going to go away oh for. Everyone thinks this is going to benefit LeBron, but really it's going to benefit Looney more yep. than anyone. Yep, it's pretty obvious, like folks. Clay's knee too. Clay's knee oh, yeah. too, like that, like that thing. Um, but. Uh, favorite players you've written about 15 different articles on killing Hayes uh-huh. so I think I'm gonna assume I think two is the number yeah <laughs> two, two more than uh, than anyone else on anyone I don't even know who Maladon is uh, Theo Maladon yeah he I didn't even see him pop up in any top tens uh, but but Sam threw him in the rundown so I'm assuming that the Warriors <laughs> like like him or are looking I've at him. heard that they that they don't hate him is what I would say of Theo Maladon um, that, that's a that just describes the That's, draft. We don't hate yes, this guy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I think this draft might be a Euro draft, and maybe we think it's a bad draft, and really it's just a draft overseas, and maybe – um, that's where the market inefficiency is with prospects because the game more resembles the NBA game and the college game and the NBA game are just diverging to such an extent that it's a hard developmental chasm to clear. Um, for guys drafted out of college. So uh, it's still it's still a bit of a shot in the dark. It's still hard to know. Maladon isn't necessarily my favorite prospect. I, I kind of like watching him. He's not exciting necessarily, but he plays at a good pace and he's um, he plays good defense and he's got some he's got some burst. You know, it's easy because he plays for the team Tony Parker runs to make that uh, comparison. But right. it's also not the worst comparison in the world. Um, it's not the craziest comp to make. Uh, and that's a very good team that he plays for. Uh, the team that Killian Hayes plays for isn't so great. Is kind of a little, eh, um, in the German league. So it's not at the same level as Maladon's. But it, it also means that he has he just has more to work with. And he can kind of almost like LaMelo run that team. Um, versus Maladon, who's sort of a bit player. Only, only he makes shots. Uh, yeah, well, that's you know a very good distinction right there. Although his three-point <laughs> shooting has not been great, but he is an efficient scorer versus LaMelo, who has not been an, a, an efficient scorer. Yeah, I'm looking Maladon's minute totals. 
you know, they, they range depending on, you know, Euro Cup or, or league games between kind of 15 to 17 minutes uh, per game. So you're not getting a tremendous view of Maladon. But yeah. I, I do think um, the Warriors... Those are 40-minute games. Generally, it'd be good if the Warriors got a guard. Um, I think they need another playmaker. I don't think it'll be so easy for them to find that in free agency with the mid-level. So, and it also seems to be what this draft has. So that would be what I would be oriented towards um you know they got okoro uh kind of the the lone wing of the draft um i wouldn't dismiss that as a bad pick but i do think that this is this is a draft where they can they can pick up a playmaker that they can groom for the future and yeah i i agree i agree with that because it it feels like to me and and most times it feels like at the top of the draft unless you're getting joel Embiid, which was pretty much a shoe-in like i think most people said, you know, if this guy stays healthy, which he relatively is now, like he's going to be pretty damn good. I think most times you just take a gamble on someone that you think you can develop into a playmaker. And whether that be Hayes, Maladon, LaMelo, you know, Denny, Edwards, or whoever, it's like, yeah. I feel like you take that instead of saying, well, you know, if we can get a big and he can be all right, we can be a championship team again. I don't think that's, I just, like I don't like James totally Wise, I get just, Denny, by the way. I don't totally get it. Um, and I've been trying to, I actually, I did a, an interview with an Israeli journalist who's followed his whole career and nice. I was going to post it, but then Corona hit and then maybe I'll, I'll post it later when things settle down. Um, who's definitely more, um, on, you know, team Denny, but I just, I just don't get like, Do you guys get it? Like when you watch the highlights, when you watch the clips, it just seems like he's not especially a lot of flashes yeah they're, they're, he's not especially long he makes good passes he can do cool stuff in transition but he's it's pretty big though he's pretty big but he's not a great shooter but so is mario hazonia he, he's not a great <laughs> well he yeah he feels like it feels like to me that steve kerr is gonna really like him. oh like, yeah that's is he like that's the type of player he, he cuts is. and he passes you know um the jew the, the journalist uh you know analogizing the joe ingles which isn't the most exciting thing in the world, but it also made, made me want to say Jew Ingles as a nickname. Uh, <laughs> I can say that. Also, there are no rules. <laughs> yeah, he gets the Gallinari oh, comp, which is just any any Euro wing with like who can do a little bit of everything gets the Gallo who's, who's comp. Pretty good. Yeah, Joe Ingles is pretty good too. Um, I I like him, I guess, but it's like with a top three pick. Right, like that's presumably what the Warriors are going to end. Up. I guess the season, the regular season, is pretty much over now. So, right, the Warriors are they have the the best odds at the top pick. So, what if they end up with the top pick? You're like, damn, are you just are you going to take a guy with probably not superstar upside? Yeah, most likely, right? That's like, it. Nobody yeah. wants that top pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like my buddies are like, oh, let's trade down and and let's get this guy. I'm like, who's going to give you like? Yeah, someone has to want to trade up. Yeah. Especially <laughs> now where nobody can even scout these players to fall in love with them, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's that's a bit of an issue. And Wiseman seems like this big unknown, and I don't know if we're in the era where you want to take a center number one. I don't know if Wiseman has done enough in his AAU career um, to really warrant that. So I mean, He's really good at being 7-1, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, good wingspan. I wanted to get off the draft stuff at this point, so so let's get back to the the team itself. Oh, the draft, they is run so, back. draft is so fun, though. Do we have to leave the it draft? Is, I mean, do we have it, to? It is fun. I know it's your show. I know, but I could go. I've got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I got Ty. I, I got Tyrese Halliburton takes. I've got, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Obi Toppin. I need to know if he, if he, if he does have that upside to be a 
uh, a top level wing, or I guess an undersized center. Type. Undersized center. Um, I think with Toppin, he's a little bit old. It's a little bit older, and um, he's not. Uh, I'm less. I'm less pro Toppin. I'm less pro Toppin. I wouldn't hate a pick of him, but it's hard to project him defensively to be pretty good, <sighs> which is what I want yeah. from. Which I is what I want from a big. Um, although it seems like he could. You know he could he could score. I mean he's like the best offensive player in college basketball right now. So a little, little John Collins ish. Uh, that was a comp that was made. It wasn't the worst right. comp in the world. But is that is that really getting you excited? Is that really what you want? Um, God, there's just nothing. There's just oh God, yeah, it's barren. Well, give give us the killing haze. Um, give us the the upside. Give us the sure. the elevator pitch on Killian. Uh, Hayes. Killian Hayes, six foot five, um, French Delo. French, yeah, that's the you ah. know that's his trainer made that analogy of French Delo, except he really plays defense. Um, and so he plays defense long, and uh, he has scored efficiently. If you watch him, he's very skilled. Very skilled. He's got an array of step back, uh, step back threes, and uh, different finishes. Oddly enough, he does not finish with his right hand um, on the right side of the basket. So that is one thing that I do watch as a knock, and I just go, "Is that something that you can keep doing? Is that something that needs to be cleaned up?" Um, and free throw wise, he shoots over eighty percent from the line. But the shot has been inconsistent uh, from beyond the arc, so that's one thing to worry about. But a magical passer. You know, people have said that he's not on the level of LaMelo, but I don't know. Um, he makes some he makes some amazing passes. I've watched I watched I've watched them both play. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't come away from it saying that LaMelo was on this tier above Killian Hayes with passing. It just seems like that's what you're supposed to say. I mean in Eurocup play right now, Hayes has an average of a 6.2 assists in 26 minutes or 26.8 minutes. Um, and that's, you know, if you know the kinds of stats people do in Euro play, that's it's pretty damn good. So I'd say an incredible passer, sick handle, good change of pace, good size, has a shot that you could see becoming a really good shot or a great shot um, if you base it on the free throws and also just the way his shot looks. Plays similar to D'Lo but without some of the issues and plays defense. That's my favorite pick. I might be wrong, but that's of the guys I've watched, that's my favorite guy. Well, if he if he's D'Lo with a little more upside, they're hoping he becomes, well, I mean, the, the, the true upside, the final boss upside is James Harden. Then. Yeah. Well, that's his favorite uh, player. That... That's the guy he models his game Oh, after. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck, fuck that. <laughs> well, you just said it's what you wanted. That's what, Give, that's what, he, that's what they wanted. Yeah. I mean, that's what he models his game after, although he doesn't get fouled a whole lot. Um, but uh, you can see it in a lot of the creative step backs and the side steps. I guess James Harden's pretty good. Though. And and it, and look, if you want to, you know, John Hollinger uh, pointed this out, but um, if you're trying to project his stats, uh, Schroeder played in the same league, um, kind of around the same age, and had worse stats and worse efficiency than Killian Hayes had. And Schroeder didn't become an all-star, but he's good, right? So if you're looking right. at that and you're saying, okay, well, this guy's good and he's an NBA player and he's in the same exact situation and Hayes has just obviously better stats in pretty much everything, then that's probably a good indicator. So that's... Do the Warriors like him? I have not gotten an indication that the Warriors are particularly smitten, but I also haven't gotten an indication that they're not. Uh, there are some guys where you hear more buzz that they're into him. And, you know, with Hayes, I think that... 
they were just in the process of checking out the Euro prospects right when all this yeah. stuff hit. So, you know, maybe if they got a gander and interviewed and checked in with his people, um, that can always change things. So I have not. Who do yeah. they like? Who do they like? I mean, we talked about Maladon. There's been some yeah. Wiseman buzz. Yeah, um, I mean, those that. are the two names that come up. Um, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> those are two. So let's say, let's say they do go with a guard. Let's say it's it's Hayes, it's Maladon, maybe it's Anthony Edwards. Let's say they actually make the right guard selection, mm-hmm. whoever it is. I don't love Edwards, by the way. Nobody does. Yeah, actually, <laughs> some people do. No, I don't. E- Evan yeah. Zamir, I think, might have picked Edwards as as his top pick, which surprised me. Yeah, me too. I talked with him. I talked with Evan about that, and he he basically gave me the eh. Best, best of the. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the most glowing endorsement. I'll throw it that way. I. I. It's so based off, um, like the dumbest subjective take. But I just didn't right. like how he. I'm gonna sound like so just old, like Joe Buck, oh, yeah. like getting mad at Randy Moss mooning. But I didn't like when they were playing Kentucky and they were up six at the half. And he did this crazy celebration where he was jumping around and waving his cra- his hands out to try to motion the crowd to to celebrate more. And it was, I mean, I'm describing, but you saw it was weird. Billis, uh, Jay Billis, was saying, "What is he? What is he doing? You know, this is weird." And they're up six, well, and then Hagens came out and just shut him the hell down in the second half and kicked his ass. So I, I saw that. And I went, I don't, I don't know. Like this guy is your lead guard, maybe? It's just, I, I don't know, man. It seems well, like if they were a good team, I think that'd be cool. But they're they suck. Yeah. So it's like, well, or if he backed it up in the second half. <laughs> um, but let's just yeah. say they make the right guard selection, and then obviously the players that uh, Andy listed. What do, what do you look at with like a mid-level exception? And then what is that team next year? Because I've had this conversation with Andy. I can't even wrap my mind around them. Like, what do we, you know, I, I could start floating scenarios of, oh, you right. Joe Harris maybe, or I don't know. But I, I who the hell knows, man? Who the hell knows the money? We need, we need the league to exist yes, first. We need huh? to know that. I mean, the draft is a little bit, we can, we can, like the draft for the most it's gonna part. It's going to happen one way or another. Yeah, theoretically. But some of this other stuff is just too. I, I can't. Even I feel do like that. they've targeted some people though. Like, <clears throat> for example, like the, with the tri- with the player exception. Like, I've they have like technically what like a day to use that thing. Yeah. I'm sure they've targeted people that they want to trade for. Definitely. Um. um and <laughs> but how, what the hell is gonna happen now, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why I like retreating to the draft. That's why I like retreating to the draft is okay, this is the draft class of this year. In theory, they can have this. They can do it based on the record. All this stuff makes sense to me. Right now, the snow globe is shaken up, and I cannot figure out the free agency aspect for the life of me. I, I feel <laughs> like, you know, I don't think that... I'm not even sure if Nate Duncan on Adderall could really figure this out right now. We need to know what's going <laughs> right. on. We'll pivot off of this. Then I want I want to end with this. Then or not end, but move to this. Then, if can you still win a title twenty twenty and beyond with Steph Curry as the lead player on a team? I think so, but they need a run of hitting cards on the river. Right? They need some. They need to hit this draft pick. They need the Wolves to not be good potentially, and then hit on the next draft pick. Um, a good supplementary veteran or two. Um, Draymond to reverse whatever process we're seeing right now a little bit. And yeah, you could do it. 
You know, you could do it in the way some of these Spurs teams that won it right. weren't necessarily dominant teams, but had superior chemistry um, and veteran guile to their opponents, right? Um, I think you could do it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just you, you, you just need more to go right. You just need more to go right. You need some of these situations in L.A. to not be uh, as good as they've been this season. Um, but, you, yeah, you need, a, you need a run of good luck. Yeah, that's the, the the Warriors have had a lot of that apparently. They'll do a, a quick Twitter, so so they'll be fine. Yes, they'll be fine. Um, they'll be <laughs> they'll be fine. Uh, I mean, there's just so much unknown. Uh, even with the players themselves, Draymond, Clay Thompson, he looks like he's back. You know, kind of playing basketball, but but who knows how long that's going to take him. Uh, and then you've got like, I mean, with the player exception, all that, like they're going to have some role players that they need to hit on. Um, like like they did with Livingston. Yep. Uh, like they did even with trading with Halliburton reminds me a little bit of Livingston with a three point shot. Same. That's like that's like classic. You're drafting for a role player, right? I feel yeah. like that's like top fifteen kind of. Yeah, you, you're not happy drafting Halliburton <laughs> with the number one pick. I mean, that's not that's not fun. He can't right now. He can't run a pick and roll, and he's a point guard. But I see him fitting in well with the Warriors, where he's good at everything else. And he hits open threes, and he's sick on defense. I mean, I really like him on defense. And he moves the ball. I mean, that's a guy where it seems like he would be a perfect system player for the Warriors. But they might be a little shook after they thought that Jacob Evans was a perfect oh. system player. Hey, you know, you know who's a perfect system player? This guy that they're paying thirty million to. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They paid him thirty mil. Uh, to be a to be a system player, so you know things are going oh, things are going good. Hopefully that draft pick next season is good. <laughs> I looked I looked at Imoni Bates highlights. Oh, Sam, wow. have you seen them? They're pretty sweet. Although he's probably going to be like a top three pick, which they won't. But yeah, what, what, but wait, fall, what, what draft? He's a couple drafts. Yeah, away. I was about to say that's you know you're planning on the Warriors being bad for a while. I mean. That is what's a well, little lame. Well, maybe the- that is what's a little lame about the uh, the top three protection, and you wonder if Bob could have gotten the protection off because, you know, as a Warriors fan, you could at least think about getting Cade Cunningham next season, and you know, yeah, dream on that one. Yeah, there's uh, well, you know, and then if and then if they don't get it though, then it converts to unprotected, and then Bates is a you can do the high school jump to the ah. pro. So now we're two years away. So maybe the NBA would be back by then. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> or or you'll have two drafts in one. It'll be like a super draft of uh, of. Next like, year's all I'm saying draft, is but, these uh, these Cade Cunningham stats are uh, pretty they're pretty good when I look at his AAU stats, which by the way seem to project pretty well. We're at the level where high school basketball is so professionalized that the the statistics uh, actually actually mean something. That's insane. They've got Jalen Green in that draft too, or, or something. Who's they've got? Really now we're going the down. draft. Don't watch any of these the, guys, the, Andy. the draft. Uh, I'm all in. Next year's draft is like Wing City. It's just a million wings. It's wing after wing after wing after wing. Um, so that's when the Warriors can potentially get their wing. Is is that draft? Let me see. Let me see what the uh, 2021 draft. Good. For, good for the Warriors. Uh, for for betting against the Wolves. That's never. Uh, that's always worked. Yeah. That's always. Uh, and even if D'Lo and Cat are healthy, it's like these guys aren't gonna win. <laughs> Like they're not gonna win. Like I would say, not even thirty-five games. I want to say, like that's just yeah. it's just not a recipe just for a team. So that's much wingedness. I'm looking at one yeah. mock draft: Cade Cunningham, number one; Jalen Green, number two. Uh, Ooh, got the name Kuminga, right. Kaminga, number three, six eight. 
with uh, Jalen Johnson, another wing. Um, <laughs> then a lot of Jalen's. Then you've got uh, then you've got uh, Evan Mobley as a center. Um, is that Katino's son? I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just I've, at this point. Who I have knows? no idea. Um, but just think about that. Like compared to this draft, where you've got, I'm looking at the top four picks in this mock draft, and they're all wings. Um, and then you know a big, and then another wing, and then another wing, and then another wing. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. The dream, the dr- the dream, the dream is that the Warriors get the next Steph in this draft, and then the next Clay in the next draft. That's the uh, that's the. That's what I'm sure or Joe the, Lacob is, or, is yelling or, at Bob Myers or, for. You know, the good D-Lo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the good, the good D-Lo. And then after that, uh, you know, the next whatever the hell. I'd have to really go, really have to get into it. But it, it, it seems like they cannot get Cade Cunningham, who is the super hyped, just one of the most hyped picks I think we've seen in a while. Um, and But they, they can get one of these... They, they can hit on one of these wings who's just getting all this hype. I, lo- I love these comps right here. I love the comps. I saw the comps I saw are the Ob- best. Yeah, they are. Like, I saw Obi top into Amari, and it just made Oh, my, my day. God. Yeah. Uh, Kuminga, I'm looking at, like, Antoine Jameson, Sean Marion. Like, that's an interesting comp. <laughs> Jalen Green, Kobe Light, Jalen Johnson, Paul Pierce. Oh, okay, now I'm intrigued, you know? now. By the way, that's how I got myself blocked from Draft Express Twitter. I think I've trolled their um clay clay comp being mike miller which actually was probably pretty reasonable at the time yeah hey, now i can never mike see miller was if it weren't for the injuries mike miller is pretty damn good um you know it was not clay thompson but yeah you could do i mean clay thompson who knew who the hell i didn't know i wanted him to guy. get Kawhi, um which i guess is defensive i wanted him to get kevin love <laughs> <laughs> i wanted them to You're i wanted on them twitter to, I wanted them to take Alec Burks. Now, I, now I kind of want Alec Burks back. You know? so, oh God! But but not at the expense of Clay. Now I'm looking. I don't know where we've got in this conversation. Where I'm looking at the AAU stats of uh, of Jalen Johnson. We're, we're done, Ethan. You can take us wherever you want to go. Well, I've got. It it's raining in this car. I've got seven percent <laughs> battery left. Um, it's effectively the apocalypse out there. Um, yeah. I'm looking up Jalen Johnson's AAU stats. <laughs> he shot. He shot uh, 19% from three in EYBL. Ooh, it's a little bit concerning right there, folks. <laughs> By the way, shooting is still, I believe, in draft uh, analysis. Underrated. Still underrated. underrated. Yes, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, it just. But I, by the way, I still think I, I do think Denny can shoot. I, it just his form looks good. It, maybe he can't make it right now, but it just feels like people don't care about shooting as much. Where it's like, oh, we can develop it. It's kind of arrogance and stuff. It's like, no. Mm. Shooting kind of there. You kind of you kind of need shooting. It's a threat well, that a you can question. build off. My thing with the draft is you need something you do great to build off. Jacob Evans had nothing he did great. On the college level, he did everything pretty well. But you need that great thing to be the move that you build counter moves on, which is, again, Killian Hayes, sick passer. That's one thing he does great and sick handle. So, yeah, I'm in. All right, guys, uh, I think I got to go before my uh, laptop stops having batteries. Stay Thank safe. you, Ethan. Okay, yeah. you guys do too. Stay safe out yeah. there. Take care. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. 
Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.